Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. All right, before we get into Julio Jones, which we are going to get into, Greg, I feel like both of us want to congratulate the Bruins for steamrolling the Capitals in that first round series, four games to one. We're looking forward to round two, so congratulations to the uh, to the uh, Bruins. And we won't bring up the Celtics. So let's get to Julio Jones. <laughs> Uh, a lot of a lot of talk about Julio, Greg. Uh, Chris Sims comes out yesterday, and listen, Chris Sims has a checkered past when it comes to breaking news. But Sims comes out and says Julio wants Tennessee or New England. We've heard rumors about Julio wanting to play with Cam. What are you hearing about Julio Jones? Well, the first thing as far as uh, potential trade or where the Patriots are, um, what I have heard to this point is that they are still sort of kicking the tires on it. I don't think they've pursued it in any way, really, with the Falcons. They might have had a conversation or two, uh, but really, I don't think it's gone very far. I think um, they might have heard what the initial asking price was, which was you know maybe a first-round pick, maybe a second-round pick. I think that that's too rich for the Patriots' blood. Plus, they probably want something done about Julio's money, like the Falcons paying half of the first year or something like that. Uh, So I don't think, and what people also have to remember is that I think June 2nd is the, is the, is the date this year where basically the Falcons have to wait till after June 1st to trade or release Julio Jones because of the way the cap rules are. Uh, that they get credit once it gets to June 2nd, then you could put half on this year, half on the following year. So that makes uh, digesting some of those really large contracts a lot more palatable for teams. And the Falcons are just so screwed with their cap. They have to do that. So we are now, what day is today? It's the 26th. So there's still time. And deadline spur action, I think right now, a bunch of teams, including the Patriots, are just sort of looking at this and kicking the tires and seeing what kind of deal can be there. So I I don't think anything is imminent, even though this is all people can talk about. And, oh, (laughs) the the Patriots are the betting odds favorite to to, to land Julio Jones. Like, like who gives a crap? Like, everybody thinks, oh, the odds. Well, Vegas knows something. No, they don't know jack crap. You know, like, they just go, this is like, I think, uh, who, who was it? There was a... I got in a spat online, I think leading up to the draft, and it was like, oh, the Patriots are the betting odds to trade up to Justin Fields. Like, 
they don't know anything. They're going off of conventional wisdom and popular, you know, basically where the money's going. Right. Yeah. Um, not a Vegas doesn't always know anything. The, uh, the odds don't always mean something. I mean, look at the presidential election. I think at some point it went from Biden to Trump real quick. And Trump was a huge favorite at some point that night and they were wrong. So it, it just, it just stop with the odds. I mean, I, I look, I'm all for, I'm all for gambling. I'm all for, you know, people enjoying themselves as long as they're responsible with their money and not getting out in front of their skis um, and, and really, you know, harming themselves in their bank account, which I've seen from friends and family in the past, um, you know, but, and I'm all for the, the, the odds for games and, you know, future, you know, say like the Super Bowl champion or betting over under on the season. I'm all for that. The numbers stuff. I'm all for that. And, you know, it's good fun. Uh, but as far as like this stuff, like the betting odds to win, they're just going off of what everyone thinks. And the public is stupid in general. So don't get all hyped up into that. I And, and so I think right now the Julio Jones stuff, it's not really anywhere as far as the Patriots go. The timetable is a factor. I think other teams are going to get involved. I think it's going to be competitive. And when it gets competitive, the Patriots don't – they usually bow out. They don't usually stick it in until the end because, you know, look, if it's a competitive situation, that means the cost is going to go up, and that's right. not the Patriots' M.O. And let me ask you about the cost. What do you think – and obviously this is just a guessing game. What do you think yep. Belichick would be willing to give up for Julio Jones right now? Nick, that's it's hard for me to say, and th so this will go into the second part of our discussion. So, you know, all this talk about Julio Jones, Patriots, whatever, and I'm like, well, I, you know, I need to watch some Julio Jones tape. I don't know, Nick, you're probably different than me. You're down in Virginia, and also, um, you know, you're a national talk show host, so you might watch a little bit more Falcons you know, action than I do. Right. I can't remember the last time I sat and watched the Falcons, even on like a Thursday night game. And let alone, I, I doubt Julio Jones was even healthy for that game. So I went back into the film and, uh, you know, which I always do. And I'll tell you what I saw off of the film. So this was my process. I went to the last game he played, which I forget the exact opponent right now, but uh, he, he played, he played in the game. I'm looking at it right now. Sorry. I'm just looking through my, uh, so, uh, I forget which game it was, but anyways, so I go back and I watched the final game that he played. I think it might've been against the saints. So I turn on that film and I see a guy who is basically a big slot, pretty slow down. I mean, he gets out of his breaks. Okay. Uh, but a little slow, a little slower than what I remember with Julio Jones. And he was basically a big slot for them. And I always look at, okay, how is the team using the player? Because they see them in practice. They see them in the games. They know what he's capable of. He was not a boundary guy. He was a big slot. He basically reminded me of Mohamed Sanu when yeah. the Patriots traded for him with the Falcons. That's what I saw at the end of last year. And I was like, okay, well, in his defense, I went back, I looked – you know, and his injury deal last year was extensive. He had yeah. basically hamstring. He left week two game with a hamstring injury, and it was on and off the injury list the rest of the year. He finally, I think he, I don't know if he even completed that final game that I watched, but 
but he was done for the season with like four games left in the season. So then I said, okay, well, let me watch the week one game. Should be healthy, right, Nick? In week one? I mean, I hope so. I, yeah. So, you know, you have a chance to be measured. You have a chance to be, you know, get the proper rest, uh, you know, sort of tuned up for the regular season. And so I turned on that film. He was a little bit better than what I saw. He was a little bit better out of his breaks. I think he I think he had a pretty productive game. Yes, that was against the Seahawks. Pretty productive game. I think he went, went for like, you know, like 11. He, I think he had nine catches for like 140 yards. Yeah, he had nine catches for 157 yards. Awesome production. Great. Okay, let's put it into context. Calvin Ridley was nine for 130. Russell Gage another one of his teammates, was 9 for 114 in that game. And then you remember, oh, yeah, that's right. The Seahawks completely blew on defense last year to start the year. Because remember what happened in week, I think it was week two. Oh, yeah, it was the Cam show. The Cam show. Cam Newton almost, you know, 400 yards, throwing the ball all over the place. And we never saw that Cam ever again the rest of the season. So, the Seahawks were complete garbage in the secondary to start last year. The Falcons took advantage. Now, what I saw on film was a, a, a Jones that was a little bit better than what I saw. Uh, still mostly a big slot, you know, very productive in what he does, which is, look, he's a big body. He's he's a, he's an Adonis, the way he's built. Some of the strongest hands you will ever see, and, and those aren't going away. So I'm like, okay, that's where he is. That's where he was to start this season. Let me just go back to 2019 and see where he was. Maybe maybe this is just leg injuries. I don't know. So I went back and I watched his last great game in 2019. He was 13 for 134 and two touchdowns against the 49ers who went on to the Super Bowl that year. So this was later in that season. And Nick, let me tell you, holy crap, was that Julio Jones just awesome. I mean, he was incredible. He could he could get down the field. He was explosive. Guys didn't know whether he was going to go deep or go short. He had he had the 49ers cornerback spinning around. He was unbelievable. So, Nick, the question is, what Julio Jones are they getting? Right. Yeah. What what was what was last year? Was was last year because of the COVID situation, not having a preseason to kind of get loose. And, you know, maybe he was even a little dinged up going into the season, even in week one. Uh, who knows? But he was absolutely on and off last year, as you mentioned. I think he missed seven games. And when he played, it was hit or miss. So, you know, why was that? Is this a situation where it's an A.J. Green, where, you know, Green just kind of kept getting hurt and then fell off right. a cliff? And they're the same and, age. Yeah, and maybe he'll be reborn out in Arizona. But A.J. Green has not looked like the same guy. So are you acquiring somebody who is at the beginning of the end, middle of the end, or end of the end. We, we don't really know. It, it could be just a flash in the pan. And that's what makes it difficult, is because when yeah. you look back at last year, it's very difficult to evaluate guys because of the circumstances, because of what happened, because of so many injuries in COVID, in the offseason that you're used to kind of being thrown up in the air and just you know thrown into a bucket. And, and how are people going to respond to that? I also think... You know, Julio, listen, I look at it this way. Julio, even if he's not Julio of 2019, if he's somewhere between 2019 and, you know, what we saw last year, 
he's clearly the best receiver the Patriots would have on the roster. It's not even close. He, he and, and I've been sitting there saying they need a number one. I still feel like one of the things this team would love to have is a true number one receiver. I don't think they drafted that guy because I don't think they trust that they can find a college player, evaluate that player at that position correctly, and get the most out of that player value-wise. I think that's why I, I would believe they're going to take a lot of shots late in the draft on receivers because they've been burnt one too many times. So now you know what you have in Julio. Even if he's a bridge between 2019 and what we saw last year, he's the best guy in your roster at that position. And, you know, I read this off as far as value. I'd be willing to give up a second round pick if I was sure that Julio would be, you know, better than he was last year. I'm not so sure about that. I think the answer is conditional. And if I were the Patriots, my offer would be, hey, listen, you're going to pay some of that money, pay, you know, pay some of the 15 million he's guaranteed, and we will give you a third round pick. Conditionally, it turns into a second. If this guy hits this, 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 and this, if he plays this many games, if he has that many catches, whatever, whatever the condition is, then you can have a second round pick. I just would not be comfortable handing them, you know, a first round pick. I wouldn't, I would not even entertain that idea. 32 years old, the money coming off of an injury riddled season. I wouldn't touch that kind of deal if I were New England. Okay. Well, here, here's where I am. Um, and first of all, let me point out that uh, overthecap.com said that Julio Jones was worth $5.2 million last year, which I don't disagree with. Um, I, the 2019 Julio Jones, I, there isn't enough that I, that I wouldn't give up for him. He was that good. And I'm not going to give him for the season opener. I am not going to give him that many excuses. Um, he needs to be ready. I mean, he's a professional. It's COVID. Yeah, whatever. But, you know, go out there. And, and I'm not just talking about, you know, production and things like that. I'm talking about, you know, how do you look going down the field? And he was – it was night and day. Um, so, I am extremely worried about, I think, Julio Jones. I'm just telling you what the film shows. What the film shows from 2019 to 2020 is Julio Jones is going off a cliff. Hmm. Um, I w That's what the film shows. It's not my opinion – it's a fact based on film that he is a completely different receiver. Now, do I think the Patriots could use somebody like that? Do I think he's better than Muhammad Sanu? Uh, yes. And I think that if the Patriots had ideas on Muhammad Sanu being a bigger slot and maybe going away from the Julian Edelman types to a bigger slot with Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne and, you know, sort of, quicker, smaller receivers on the outside and basically having a three-headed monster attacking the middle of the field in the seams with the two tight ends and a, a, a Julio Jones, okay, I could see that working. I could see that being something that's pretty effective and tough to defend for defense. So I could see the value that Jones would have for the Patriots if that's the direction they want to go, even if he's no, if he's even if he's on the downside of his career. Um, I have a tough time with the compensation as far as draft pick pay. If Julio Jones is, de is steadfast on getting his money for the rest of his career, I have a problem and I might not do the deal because of that. The right. Falcons would have to look, the Falcons are going to have to, they're going to have 7.75 million in dead money from this deal anyways. So 
I, I don't Arthur Blank has the money. So you might as well try to get them. They're they're gonna have to pay that money on the cap. Just pay it in cash. Now all of a sudden he's worth seven million this year. That's about what that's about what I would pay Julio Jones going forward here. Um, and if he wants more than that, then I'm walking away from it because what was on film last year is scary. It's not good enough, and I I would be tr- I would have trouble giving up more than a mid round pick that's maybe conditional or just a straight up player swap like Nikhil Harry and a late round pick for Julio Jones and the Falcons eating at least half the money. That's something that I would be comfortable with, unless there's other circumstances that the Patriots know that about last year that caused Jones to be, you know, an okay receiver, but one that clearly looked like he was in decline. I think we're on the same page. I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd be fine same with same ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, eat some of the money. If you want to give up Harry in like a fifth or a sixth or whatever. Okay. Yep. I could make that like a ha- Harry in a fifth for Julio and a seventh or something like that. And they pay some of the money or if mm-hmm. it's a third round pick, it could slide up to a second round pick. If he looks like the Julio of 2019, they pay some of the money. I'd give up a second round pick next year. If Julio looks like the guy from 2019 and they pay half the money. Uh, but but I do think Atlanta has to work with you, and they know that. I mean, this is the game that we're seeing play out. They have zero leverage, and they have even less leverage now since Julio went on FS1 and said, I, I'm out of there. I mean, they, they've got nothing. They, they've got a guy who's 32, a guy who's set to make $15 million guaranteed, a guy, as you said, last year's film doesn't look great, and they're they're in a salary cap crunch, and they don't want to approach Grady Jarrett on a new deal. So the only way they can do this is by trading Julio or reworking Julio's deal. And Terry Fontenot, who's the new GM down there, he doesn't want to kick money down the road. He doesn't want to kick money down into the future. So mm-hmm. he's going to get dealt. It's not if, it's when and it's where. Yeah. And, and I think the Patriots have a shot if, if the value is right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, to, uh, tomorrow we've got practice. Practice? We're talking about practice. practice. Yes. Uh, <laughs> So let, let's talk about some of the things you'll be looking for at tomorrow's practice. If you get in, let's say you, you are fully vaccinated. You've said this last week, I think it was. Uh, there's still some kind of mystery whether or not you'll be allowed in um, mm-hmm. and how they're going to handle it. If you get into practice tomorrow, what are you looking for, Greg? Okay, my number one thing is uh, what's going on at inside linebacker. Um I don't think Hightowers was on the field. I didn't see him in any of the pictures that the Patriots released off of the first practice on Monday. Uh, I saw a lot of Belichick instructing Raekwon McMillan and Josh Uche. So I think, to me, that was confirmation of what you and I have been talking about all offseason, that I thought that uh, I thought that Hightower would be an inside linebacker and Uche would get the first shot to be next to him, which is right. where he started as a, as a rookie in training camp. I think McMillan is a placeholder for Hightower. Um, he, Hightower, there's a, there is some question about what's going on with Hightower. There's some rumblings that he might stay retired. All we know to this point is that he has been in on meetings with the team. Um, that doesn't really mean anything. I mean, it's a good sign. It's a small sign. But a lot of times with these guys, if they've been away or they're having question marks, they get it's once they get on the field and they get into the grind where they're just like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I got money. I got right. two Super Bowl rings or three Super Bowl rings, whatever Hightower has, and I'm done. 
I'm ready to go home and be a husband and a father and things like that. Um, so, but I, I, I just want to see what's going on at inside linebacker. Um, you know, will Winovich get any looks there? Um, they now have Harvey Langey's back and they have some other guys, but I really think, I think the most unsettled position right now, probably on the whole team is inside linebacker. And so that's where my eyes are going to go first. And then secondly, they're going to go to, uh, what did I have for number two? Maybe I miss misnumbered this thing, but, um, oh, cornerback what's going on at cornerback i don't gilmore might be there um i didn't see him in any of the pictures i think some people did i didn't see him in any pictures but look he's coming off knee surgery he's not going to be out there we know jc jackson's going to be out there he's in the pictures jonathan jones is the slot now who's next up who do they because i think that's an important question because what if something does happen with stefan gilmore whether it's with his contract he gets traded maybe he goes to atlanta uh, even though I don't know how that would work as far as their cap. But if something happens with Stefan Gilmore, who's next up? Is it is it Juwan Williams? Has he, you know, caught lightning in a bottle? It, it's probably Jalen Mills. He probably gets first shot, even though I think he's going to be sort of a do-everything in the, in the secondary. Uh, Michael Jackson's a possibility. Then you have D'Angelo Ross and Miles Bryant. Those guys, they like those guys, but they're also 5'9", each of them. Yeah. So how does that work? So those are the first two spots. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I agree with you. You know, when you look at this team, here's the good thing. Not many holes, right? If any. Yep. It's more, it's more how will guys be aligned? It's more what if this happens or that happens. Cornerback that they seem like they have some depth, but it's dependent on guys growing, developing like Bryant, like Ross. It, it's dependent on somebody like Joan Williams actually finally figuring something out and being able to help them if they don't have those things kind of fall into place, you could argue they're thin Jalen Mills. I've seen him play a lot at corner, not a fan of his play at corner. I think he gets burnt way too many times. He bites on double moves. Uh, I, I like him more as that hybrid you're talking about. And yep. if you find certain matchups that he can take advantage of at corner, fine. I don't want him to be my top backup plan. If Gilmore goes down or Jackson goes down, I'm just, I'm wary of that because I've seen him in Philly. With that said, I do think we have uh, some some good evidence in history that Belichick does a pretty good job at coaching guys in the secondary, and his staff does a pretty good job of coaching guys in the secondary. And you know, Kyle Duggar had a pretty damn impressive rookie season given all the circumstances. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I wouldn't doubt that some of these guys, Ross, Bryant, Williams, I wouldn't think it's impossible that they show that development. It's just a question. And inside linebacker, you know, we'll get more into high tower in a couple of minutes, but I tend to agree with you. I think Uche showed way too many flashes to not play a decent amount at the beginning of this season. And if you could have him and high tower on the inside, like we've talked about Judon and Van Noy on the edge, and then that opens up the options because if Uche doesn't get off to the start that we hope he does get off of, then you can move him to the edge and, and play him in the role he had last year and probably, you know, slide Van Noy back to the inside linebacker or maybe Raekwon McMillan shows something and he takes the majority of the snaps. So I think those are the two top questions for me. The The other thing is kind of obvious. It's the quarterback competition. Right. And, you know, what does Cam look like? 
We've heard about him changing his mechanics a little bit, tweaking things. Uh, is that something that is actually legitimate? Does he look like a different guy? Does he right. look more comfortable? Is is there a little bit more zip consistently? And and then you've got Mac. And you know what does Mac look like? And we heard from Jacoby Myers yesterday saying that Mac has been blessed with an arm, which I think would stand out to some people because one of the questions was, does he have enough arm strength? Which is kind of crazy because mm-hmm. you know in his pro day he tossed a couple of seventy yard bombs. I, but, I've never understood that. Yeah, so it's the, I think it, his arm's been fine. They're, they're, you know, he just he doesn't have an Aaron Rodgers maybe type laser right. arm. So. Mm-hmm. so I think quarterback's the next question, Greg. Yeah, that that was number three for me. And look, for a lot of people, it's going to be number one the whole time. But you know the way Bill Belichick is going to deal with this, and you know what he's going to deal with. You know, Mac Jones and the rest of the rookies in their first exposure to the Patriots. He's going, you know, they're going to treat them like mushrooms, where they, you know feed them shit and keep them in the dark, you know, so that they, <laughs> they, they break them down. It's the, you know, it's the mushroom treatment and that's what he does with the rookies. And they, they give them stupid numbers and, you know, it's all the, the Belichick BS. So, uh, you know, which some reporters will be like, Oh, you know, this is anyways. Uh, so yeah, look, then it goes to quarterback. What's Mac Jones doing? Who's he talking to? How's he look? You know, does he fit? Um, I'm not really worried about on-field performance. There's a long ways to go. Uh, I'm more worried about, like, you know, is he is he doing the right things, getting in and out of the huddle? Um, who's he coaching? Or who's, who's he being coached by? Who's he talking to? Um, and then, you know, but you are also are looking at the other quarterbacks. And in that same photo gallery that the Patriots posted, a couple observations I had. Number one, Jared Stidham looks a little chunky. I don't know if that's by design um, for for whatever reason, but he looked a little chunky. And I think that – and they have a picture of Cam Newton throwing the ball, and he looks for all the talk about Cam Newton and throwing throwing guru and, and off-season workouts and stuff like that. They have a picture, and he looks the exact same. Yeah. He's thought, leaning back. I thought the, the same thing when I saw the picture. Yep. Yeah, his, his back leg is you know probably bent a little bit, and he's bending back to – you know, to throw probably a 10 yard throw. And that's what I'm talking. That's where we are. That's it's the same thing. You know, he needs to, those little 10 yard throws need to be like ripped with a flick of the wrist in this offense. You can't gear up and throw every single throw. And so I'll be interested to see if there's any difference. There might be a little bit of a difference, but remember Nick, wasn't there talk about early last year about how, oh, they've worked on Cam's mechanics and they're yeah. much better and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And guess what? They fell off a cliff. There was that talk. And, and yes. I, saw, I saw that picture. And listen, I, I don't know. I, I'm not out there watching him throw every, every pass and all that. So who knows? But uh, judging off of the picture, yes, it looked like that shot put kind yep. of mechanic that, that he, he looks in. And so – I think this is simple, and I agree with you. I think for the next few months, of course, this is going to dominate Boston sports talk. And and once the Bruins are done, and and the Celtics are put out of their misery, and you know maybe the Red Sox are kind of you know staying staying in the in the conversation. But a lot of it's going to be the quarterback competition. And I tend to agree with you. We know how Belichick handles these kinds of things. We're not going to get many kernels of of legit information and go, oh, that means he's going to start. Let's see what happens in the preseason games. Let let, let let's see. Yep. You know, I, I I think that's when we'll start to figure at least some things out. And 
you know, I, I'm still of the belief that Mac has to be better than Cam to get the job. And I think he's got to be significantly better out of the gates. And if he's not, I think Belichick is going to give Cam a shot at least to, you know, keep the job. I just think that's how it's going to go. I could be wrong, but if Mac Jones goes out there and he starts blowing skirts off and he's, he's, you know, looking unbelievable then Belichick will make the move. Everybody's going to want to know what's going on. It's just going to be the same old, same old, I think, for the most part. He's, he's going to say the same things. He's going to do the same things because he's Belichick. So, mm-hmm. you know, we can talk about it all day, but it's, you know, that's what it is. Uh, you have anything else quickly or, or you want to jump to the member question of the day? Uh, just real quick. Um, what else did I have? Uh, oh, wait, I'm looking at the wrong story. Come Sorry. on, you have to have an offensive uh, in there. Come on. Yeah, so uh, I said, you know, where's Trent Brown? There it um, is. You know, we, we think that he's going to be the right tackle, but there was a picture where it looked like Trent Brown's butt was at left tackle. It's hard to tell because it was just oh, the line. And, and, you know, Trent Brown has a distinctive stance. You know, he had three-point stance. You know, he's a big fella. And so it looked like he was playing left tackle. Corey Cunningham is playing right tackle. I wouldn't go overboard with that or anything in OTAs because the Patriots are probably testing him out, seeing like, all right, well, it's been a while since you played left tackle. Can you still do it? To me, with Cunningham, with this rep, and Mac Jones is that quarterback, that tells me it's a rep later in the drill. And so at that point, they're usually just trying people at different places. So I'm interested to see where Brown is because that – that gives you a lot of dominoes. You know, is he at right tackle? Is he at left? Then does Wynn switch to right tackle or does he go to left guard? And um, Michael Wenu goes to right tackle. Bunch of different combinations, but I wouldn't go overboard. And also, you know, what's going on at the edge? Um, I I didn't see a lot of veterans in these pictures. You know, a lot of guys could be sitting out with the union stuff. Like I didn't see any McCordy. I didn't see Van Noy. I didn't see Matthew Judon. Again, these are optional. They don't have to be there. Um, but we expect Judon and 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 Vanoy to be the starters. If they're not out there, you know, who's taking their place? Um, there's a picture of Chase Winovich. For some reason, I was hearing he had looked like he gained 50 pounds to be better on the edge and things like that. In the picture I saw, he looks like a safety. He looks like he lost 50 pounds. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I don't know. We'll see on the field. Is he at the edge? Is he playing? Did he cut weight to play inside linebacker? Who who knows? Um, but those are those are sort of the final two areas that I'll be uh, looking at. Should I get into practice on should Thursday? You, if you're allowed through the gates. Uh, yes. To the uh, BSJ member question. Willy today. Wonka. <laughs> Check them out and you get your golden ticket. Uh, yeah. Check them out over at BSJ. $39.99 annual plan. Great stuff. All the Boston Pro Sports. Pats, junkies like you are. You want to have an annual plan. Uh, BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis that Bedard does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. The uh, question of the day, Greg, is from Brain Supreme. I like that. Uh, hey, Greg, didn't Hightower just get married? If so, congratulations, Dante. Uh, would that explain the absence? Uh, so I replied to him basically been like, I don't, I, I don't really care. I mean, look. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, first of all, I didn't make a big deal out of Dante Hightower not being there, um, which I think he was reacting to. I, and I understand, you know, sometimes people are sensitive about different things. Number one, first of all, it's voluntary. He doesn't have to be there. I don't care that he's not there. And and I didn't make a big deal out of it because um, there could be a variety of reasons. Now, it's a little – if he is getting married, Nick, it's a little shady to me that well, – 
I mean, you know when practices are. You know what's going on. If you wanted to be there, you could have made your wedding a different time uh, or something. Um, outside of a birth of a child, you, you don't know when that's going to happen. But you can schedule your wedding. And in about a month, they have a whole month off to do whatever. So they could have – whatever. If he if he's getting married, what I, I don't really care, okay? But the big thing is it's voluntary – if he wanted to be there, he could be there. He's not there. I'm not banking a big deal out of it. If he does get on the field, you know, perhaps he'll be at the next one, what have you. Uh, but, I, you know, Dante, I think at this point, is probably a, a big union guy, and he's probably taking advantage of the time off. Right. Um, but I, I don't think it's a big deal. But, you know, it's it's worth monitoring because we, we're not sure um, – if he's definitely in for this season, he's been in so far. Is he really ready to go? We'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, I feel like right now he's in because if he wasn't, we would have heard about it. Uh, that doesn't mean he can't change his mind. It doesn't mean, like you said, if he eventually gets out there and he says, okay, I'm not feeling it anymore, and he decides to walk, then that's what he decides. I would also say, you know, I don't know how much Patriots fans in late May are paying close attention to – the NFL PA versus the NFL, because that's some of the minutia that happens in the league and guys like you and I have to pay attention to that crap. Uh, this is a legit beef between the union and the league and the union is really trying to push for less work in the off season. It's as simple as that. That's what they want. They want less physical on field work in the off season. And they look at last year with COVID and they say, Hey, the product didn't really suffer. We were okay. We don't necessarily need it to do need to do it the old way. And as you said, Hightower's a union guy. So this could mm -hmm. just easily be Hightower sitting back and going, no, I'm going to take advantage of it because this is what the union wants us to do. And there's been deals all around the league with teams, uh, teams handling the, these OTAs differently than they ever have before. They had to find a middle ground where guys would come in, but they wouldn't do the on-field work and some of the stuff that they've done in past years. So uh, it is a little bit different of a situation with OTAs this year. I don't want to read too much into it uh, because of that. I mean, unless it's Aaron Rodgers and, you know, you've gone every year and then all of a sudden you're in Hawaii singing karaoke, you, you might, you know. <laughs> Miles you know, Teller, by the way. With Miles Teller, you might read into that a little bit. But with Dante Hightower, you know, this could be just simply him taking advantage of the situation, uh, like a lot of veteran players are, and saying, no, nah, I, I mean, I know the playbook. I know what I can do. I'm not really worried. Uh, I don't have to go in. I'm going to get married, and I'll see you in a few weeks. So we'll see how it all works out. Uh, I know, Greg, again, he's going to try to get into practice tomorrow. If he does, we will have his observations from that and a lot more a little bit later on in the week. Uh, until then, hopefully you enjoyed this version, this episode of the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. We'll catch up with you soon. Go Bruins. <laughs>